it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. That's Eric Mulher. That's Timmy Popovich. Boys, it's conference championship week. And if I do say so myself, that was one of the better rivalry weeks that I think that we've witnessed in quite some time. It was full of great games, big time upsets. I mean, just anything a college football fan could ask for. I think it was a stern reminder of why college football trumps the NFL. Um, for most people, at least in the southern part of the United States. Uh, Timmy, what's going on, man? Are, are you, have you got black eyes? Have you picked up your pleated khakis yet? What, what's going on? No, not quite yet. Uh, I'm looking for a sale at Target before I commit to anything. But, uh, you know, I got the fire extinguisher here sitting next to me getting ready to put myself out. So <laughs> standing by. Well, it is Cyber Monday still, folks. So, Timmy, you've got a chance. Amazon's running good sales. <laughs> Might be able to pick up some Michigan gear and uh, wear it proudly, uh, so to speak. Uh, Eric, what's going on with you, man? You still uh, relishing in your picks victory for the year and just kicking back and relaxing? Uh, I have to relax because... By the time I finished on Saturday night, I was spent. Like I was useless on Sunday. It was like, man, that took a lot out of me. That was that was a lot. Um, and then, as it turns out, it didn't didn't slow down a whole lot on Sunday either, which we'll get into. No, it didn't, and it hasn't slowed down to this point, even like ten minutes ago. So uh, I'm going to start off this episode, boys, with uh, a lot of breaking news on the coaching carousel. Lincoln Riley, who in an interview uh, post game said, I'm not going to be the next LSU coach. Next question. Less than 24 hours later was uh, landing in Southern California and getting off a plane because he is now the head coach at USC. Guys, personally, I think this is like a home run hire for USC because it kind of, to me, shows they're invested in like getting back and being good. And Timmy, I want to bring this to you first because I know – like me and you preseason had Clay Helton getting fired and all that. And we both kind of talked about how long are they going to tolerate being mediocre? So, I mean, are we on the same page there? Is this like a home run hire for Lincoln Riley to go there? Well, I mean, at least theoretically it is. I mean, he's a big name. Um, they certainly hit the mark on that one. I think it's probably going to work out good for them. My only hesitation is, is, some of his success can be linked to playing in the Big 12. I think we've seen 
how his programs had performed when they got into the playoffs and competed against some of the other top programs. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do at USC with that fertile recruiting ground right in his backyard. And uh, who knows, maybe he can put together something special. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree there uh, with the results on the field. And you make a great point about the recruiting because, Eric, I know me and you have talked about this. Yep. All the good quarterbacks in college football right now, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, all those guys are from Southern California. So you got to believe yeah. that Riley being right there in that backyard can start to keep some of those players. Um, I mean, would you oh, disagree so yeah. with that? <laughs> no, it, it, I would guarantee I would bet my house on it. Um, I don't remember if it was in the group chat or on a previous episode, but at one point, uh, maybe like a th- you know three or four weeks into the season, of of the top six players on the with, with the shortest odds to win the Heisman, four of those guys played high school football within thirty miles of USC's campus, and none of them played for USC. And that it, it's not that that's likely to change; that is going to change. They've already had you know he he was already pulling kids out of Southern California to begin with. And a lot of the current commitments to Oklahoma from Southern California, one of whom is a five-star quarterback, who is, depending on the recruiting service you look at, either number one or number two in the 2023 class, um, has already decommitted from Oklahoma. And I will be stunned if he doesn't end up committing to USC. But yeah, uh, Oklahoma is already losing a lot of the fruits of his recruiting labor in Southern California. They've got, uh, well, all over actually, but particularly in Southern California. Yeah, I saw where they had... uh the number one wide receiver in the nation decommitted the number two QB and I think he's the number two player overall decommitted. And I think they've had four or five others who have decommitted as well. So they're, (laughs) I feel like they're kind of in panic mode. Well, for now, I mean, I I think I saw two receivers, um, an edge rusher, and then maybe an interior lineman on, I don't remember which side of the ball, but they've, they've had five or six and these are like four and five star kids. That doesn't mean they're not going to end up at Oklahoma depending on who they get, but you know, it's not great. Now, I want to ask Timmy this because he, I feel like Timmy's probably got a good pulse on what kind of dude this guy is, It like in general. I feel like Lincoln Riley, I don't want to say he's scared, but I don't feel like he was on board with the move to the SEC because I feel like Lincoln Riley is the type of guy who wants to be the big dog in a conference. I feel like that's why he was at Oklahoma. I feel like that's why he took the USC job instead of LSU, which we'll get to in a minute. You know, because if you're the USC coach and you're a good coach, yeah. or or even or even stay at Oklahoma and go to the SEC, right? You're not a big dog if you if you stay at Oklahoma and you go to the SEC. You're not the big dog, and recruiting wise, you're probably fourth or fifth best in the conference. And if you go to the Pac-12, instantly they're probably the top recruiting school in the conference. So. I don't know. I I mean, Timmy, do you disagree with anything there? I mean, do you feel like that's why he chose them over a premier program like LSU, which in my opinion is a better job? I don't think so. Um, I think their athletic director was asked that um, in the fallout from this news. And he basically said that Lincoln Riley was a big part of orchestrating that move to the SEC and he was bought in and he was invested So I don't know if that was necessarily the case. I think what we're going to come to find out is that there was probably an offer on the table that he just couldn't refuse. And that was probably more of a motivator than anything. And see that, that to me, 
has to be the just the big kicker because I feel like Oklahoma would be willing to match just about any number to keep a guy like that. I saw a report. Now, this is not confirmed, obviously, but I saw some stuff that was in the neighborhood of eight years and 90 plus million to keep him that he turned down and ended up taking the USC job. So I, who knows? Maybe he just wants to live in Southern California and like Eric said, recruit those kids right out of his backyard. And maybe, you know, like I say, I think it's a home run hire for him. The guy went 55 and 10 at Oklahoma. He's been to the playoffs, all of that. But I would like to throw a little bit of cold water on it because he has yet to build a program. He got handed a juggernaut from Bob Stoops. And now he's inheriting, you know, Jackson Dart, who's probably, you know, he's he's a talented QB, but he's not taking over a program, you know, that's consistently won its conference over the last 10 years. You know, so be interesting to see if yeah, that's interim head coach Bob Stoops to you. OK, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, God, I, I don't. Right. He's he's not walking into nearly as good a situation as the first time around Oklahoma, obviously. It, but there's a lot more reason for optimism. It's not like he's going to UConn, right? I mean, right. USC is not USC as we know them right now. I think he can get them turned around rather quickly. Like first year, probably looking at something like seven and five, eight and four, depending on some of the other teams in the Pac-12. But I would expect by the 2023 season that he has that thing rolling. Well, you know how the media is. Next year, they'll be ranked like 15th coming into the season just because it's USC. But uh, yeah, right. I, I'm with you. I, I, I think uh, a guy like that, you, you give him three or four seasons and then see where you're at. You know, if after three seasons, they're still taking it on the chin and they're not making bowl games, then okay, maybe it was a failure. But I'm with you. I think there's no way that he just doesn't at least become a prominent Pac-12 team. Whether he can turn him into a national power, yet to be seen. But going back to this LSU thing, I mean, he turned down, I got to believe that there was an offer for him on the table. There's much news as was floating around about Riley to LSU. Now the news is that Brian Kelly is expected to be named LSU's head coach as early as tomorrow. (laughs) Maybe, but... I feel like it's kind of a strange time. Like you figure that Kelly would want to wait at least until he knows that he's out of the playoffs. Am I crazy there? Well, you should know that. The timing is weird for that reason, but he might also think, you know, if I'm going to do it, I kind of have to do it now because if I make them think I'm kind of wishy-washy on it, you know, maybe they move on to the next guy, you know, whoever that guy is. Yeah. Dave Aranda. (laughs) Well, yeah. It sounds like he's staying put. Um, you know, and I don't know who their next guy would be. I guess it's just like uh, we've talked about with firing a coach. I guess if you're going to do it, just do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm Brian Kelly and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. You know, I've slowly come to the realization that my best chance to win a national championship and put that you know on my mantle when I ride away into the sunset, it's not at Notre Dame. So I can understand his motivation to want to jump ship to a more you know championship contender worthy program like LSU. Right. And I mean, I would argue that if just about anybody who is a really, really good coach like Brian Kelly could win a national championship at LSU. I mean, I don't know that it's ever been done. I'd have to look this up, but throughout history, how many schools that we know of have won three national championships with three different coaches in less than 20 years? I don't know that that's ever been done. Saban won it in 03, Miles in 07, 
and then at Owen 19. So <laughs> if you're a really good coach, you can win a title there. So I don't think it's, you know, a crazy thing. I feel like Brian Kelly's time in Notre Dame, like Timmy said, has kind of peaked out. He puts together really competitive teams. And Eric, I know that you're going to like agree with the fact that like he goes up against teams like Georgia and he gives them good games. Teams like Alabama gives them good games here and there, but he just can't get the kids. He can't get the recruits. But at LSU, and I know I mentioned right. Brian Kelly a few episodes ago to LSU, and you know who knows if it's actually going to happen. This could all be smoke, but I feel like it's a great fit for him, honestly. Yeah, I think the big thing for him is I think he's probably taken Notre Dame as far as he possibly can, and I I, I would guess that he feels the same way because there are you know he. He's not necessarily going for all of the same kids that Alabama or Clemson or Georgia or Ohio State are going for because Notre Dame does have, um, yeah, they're not necessarily Harvard, but you know they, they absolutely have some academic restriction. Not every player that LSU can go get, Brian Kelly can go get at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's really not close if you look at the requirements. You know, and and he, as it turns out, I mean, he's been there. A while. Uh, this came up kind of we were doing season pr- uh, preview episodes that he's been there like 12 years. Like he's he's passed Newt Rockney this season for most wins in Notre Dame history. You know, he's he's been to the playoff. He's been to the BCS title. He's been to the I don't know. I mean, short of just winning it all, which I'm not convinced you can do at Notre Dame in this day and age. I, I don't think there's anything left for him there. So, it, you know, does he fit at LSU? That might be a different question, but I, I can see where he feels like it's run its course at Notre Dame. Well, you know, Notre Dame, it's kind of a, a same situation because Notre Dame can go anywhere and recruit. You know, they have a national base and LSU also has a national base, but they have a major advantage in that, you know, they are in a hotbed of talent and they don't have an in-state rival to recruit against. So if you're somebody like Brian Kelly who can recruit his ass off, you know, he probably gets a top 10 or, you know, top five class within his first couple of seasons there. So if it does happen, uh, yeah, I feel probably. like it's a big win for LSU. Yeah. I mean, given, given the ac- academic restrictions, he does a fantastic job of, of recruiting to Notre Dame. Well, and to, um, and put like actually putting a team on the field and coaching them. I mean, he's a really good right. coach X's and O's wise too, because I mean, do you guys remember how bad we were shitting on Notre Dame the first like few weeks of the season? Timmy was fading them every week, every single week. And yeah. hell, they're, they're sitting here at 11 to one. You kidding me? Rightfully so. Still contend. Well, oh, here we go. Be that as it may, they're 11 and one. So. Yeah, what's Oklahoma's record again? Come on. <laughs> ten, ten, what are they, 10 and 2 now? Hey, yay. Ten, ten, I, 10 and 2, but I don't get the connection. Because they're both wearing Halloween costumes. They're really eight-win teams. Come on now. Oh, my goodness. That, you're, you're probably not wrong in a normal season for some of the powerhouses that they normally play against, Notre Dame especially. The past, Stanford's been pretty good. USC's been pretty good. and. This year, they're just down. So, and the toughest team Notre Dame played this year, they lost. So, all legitimate criticisms. I'm not going to crush you there. And then the next, I guess, big news, it actually came out a few days ago, and then it was confirmed a couple of days ago, was uh, Billy Napier to Florida. Now, 
This one is a bit curious to me, Eric, because this is right in your backyard there. LSU showed all, I mean, by all accounts that I've read, LSU showed like zero interest in Billy Napier. Yeah, I've seen zero. I've seen kind of lukewarm. I I haven't seen anyone said like they really went after him. Yeah. Which is, I think, what you're getting at. Right. Which I find odd. Right. So to me, like, I mean, do we really think Billy Napier is an upgrade over Dan Mullen? Like, do we think that? I do. From Florida's perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I do. He, he is known, he is known as a fantastic recruiter. I've seen more than one, uh, you know, kind of, uh, analyst or beat writer, um, who's a little more familiar with Billy Napier than most college football fans, uh, both like separately claim like Louisiana right now probably has a better recruiting outfit and structure than Florida does at Louisiana. Um, so he, you know, a guy like that who has put together that type of staff and given that he's in the Sun Belt, he really recruits really well. There's a reason he's 32 and five the last three years. Um, he's he's been an assistant at Alabama. He's been an assistant at Clemson. He is a good good recruiter. He's I mean his players would go to the ends of the earth for him. So uh, I think I think Florida is going to really really enjoy having Billy Napier. Well, we'll see. I, I I'm not sold yet. I I don't know. That was kind of a a curious one to me. I mean, if I'm Florida, I'm call, I'm calling Lane Kiffin and making him tell me no. Yeah. <laughs> like and, and and maybe and maybe they did, but yeah, I think I think Billy Napier um given his background and his experience is better suited uh to to oversee a program as a head coach than Dan Mullen was because Dan Mullen was just really more of a offensive game planning and play calling and, and he is he is otherworldly at that. Um, but that was really kind of his thing. And it wasn't the recruiting. It wasn't, certainly wasn't defense as we saw with Florida, but um, <laughs> the, you know, just being more of the overseer, not necessarily CEO, but uh, the guy who's involved in all aspects of the program. I think Billy Napier is more that guy than Dan Mullen was. Well, I'll be, uh, oh God, what was it? Uh, Bud Elliott. He works for CBS. He put on Twitter mm-hmm. that uh, one of these teams is going to look really dumb in three to four years, either LSU or Florida, <laughs> because LSU showed zero interest and Florida, you know, obviously went out and got him. So if he tanks at Florida, LSU is going to look really smart. And, you know, if he does really good, they're going to look like idiots unless, you know, unless I get Brian Kelly in there. If if that happens, I don't think they're, you know, going to look like idiots at all, but we'll see on the Brian they Kelly. Could both thing. turn out winners. Yeah. I mean that if they get Brian Kelly, sure. But I think Kelly would be more likely to succeed than Napier. So if that's why they showed no interest in him, then, hey, you know, hats off to LSU there. I don't know, man. Write this one down. Jason's fucking sleeping on Billy Napier over here. Hey, write it down. Take it to the bank. I don't give a shit. But, you know, because he's got to dethrone the current uh, kings of college football, um, at least so far this season, the Georgia Bulldogs. And good fucking luck with that because they are a juggernaut. But. Uh, Timmy, I want to talk to you real quick about Virginia Tech. Update me on what's happening over there because I have no fucking idea what's going on. Can you insert a cricket sound bite? 
the basics of it are, you know, at the beginning of the carousel, the biggest name program they were competing against was LSU, right? So you're probably figuring LSU is going to go after a bigger fish than you. So you're probably in the market for, you know, the Billy Napiers of the world. But then all of a sudden the Florida job comes open. So he goes off the table and then you're looking at secondary candidates and all the while, you know, USC is getting filled, but Oklahoma is coming open and now Notre Dame might be open. And it's like this never ending move up the ladder. By the end of the week, you know, Virginia Tech is going to be competing for Alabama for the fucking coaches. You know? <laughs> so they're, they're really tight lipped. There hadn't been a whole lot of leaks, um, just a bunch of speculation, but definitely nothing, nothing to even talk about, honestly. Well, uh, I would just like to point out that uh, Jamie Chadwell is still available at Coastal Carolina. So he would be my vote. Yep. And also, yeah, I don't think they're going to move in that direction. Also, Gary Patterson is still available. He's actually who I think they should hire. Proven winner, defensive guy, long tenured coach at TCU. Hell, he won at TCU for a lot of years. I mean, shit, it's hard to recruit there. <laughs> who wants to go to TCU? I, I don't know. I just I think he'd be a great fit there. Fits what they like to do. Now, Eric, I want to bring this last one to you because I'm not talking about Duke and Cutcliffe because, well, they suck. We suck. <laughs> it's the most underrated job in America, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I still I agree with you. Duke and Kansas should play every year in the trash can bowl. Um, yeah, doubleheader, dude. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, watch the football game, then run to the basketball arena all right uh now uh we did see that uh, fresno state's head coach uh took the washington job i don't even know how to say yep. this guy's fucking last name i don't know anything about him so okay i know i know a little bit um kalen DeBoer. um so and i know him because he played uh college football at what was at the time sioux falls college in sioux falls south dakota he was there he was an all-american receiver when i was in high school uh so i was familiar with the name um you know, he grad assisted, assistant coach, assistant coach. Eventually, he was the head coach at uh, the University of Sioux Falls. They're in NAIA school, and he was a head coach there for five years. He went 67-3. and three. He went to the NAIA finals four times, won three of them. Uh, and then from there, uh, you know, Division two coordinator, FCS coordinator. He was a uh, OC at Indiana uh, for, I think, two seasons. And uh, was at Fresno State uh, the last two years where he's gone uh, 12 and six. And if you've paid attention to what Fresno state has done offensively, um, his quarterback is thrown for something in the neighborhood of like 4,200 yards. I think I haven't looked lately, but, uh, a definite upgrade offensively for the Huskies coming up. Hmm. Well, can't get much worse, uh, than what they put out there on the field on offense because they stink offensively when Washington state who, by the way, fired their coach earlier this season, drops a 40-burger on you, it, it, it's time to, to do something different. So hopefully they can uh, – I, I would vote them the most underachieving team this year based on preseason projections. Am I crazy there? Them or Indiana? Pick one. Yeah. I was going to say, I briefly was going to say LSU, but they ended up winning six games. Um, yeah, I think it's between Indiana and, and Washington. Yeah. I mean – Washington was putrid on offense all year. So I'm I'm actually excited to see what he can do with uh, uh, Timmy's bloodline pick. Um, and if the kid really is as talented as, as people say, I, they might be worth watching next year. That's all. Unless he hops in the transfer portal. Which pff, wouldn't shock me. 
the the rate the transfer portals are going. If I was a quarterback uh, and Kalen DeBoer was coming to be my head coach, I absolutely would not transfer. Like that, I mean, that's like getting Mike Leach. Well, speaking of Mike Leach, uh, I want to get into the recaps here, boys. Leach uh, took his team into the Egg Bowl, and it was uh, not as interesting as we thought it was going to be. Uh, Eric, they Ole Miss, keeping with the coaching carousel, Kiffin wins 10 games for the first time in Ole Miss history. I'd like <laughs> Either that guy's going to get a serious fucking extension or he's holding out for some kind of crazy good job. I don't know. I mean, that. Yeah. I find it hard to It'll believe be that he's going to keep sticking around there if he's winning 10 games at Ole Miss. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I think he's going to be another guy who parlays a really good season into a fat extension or he'll be on a different sideline next year. But yeah, the, the game itself wasn't as interesting as I hoped. Um, I think the, the, the total got up to like 64 or 65 and we all liked the over and it ended up 31, 21. Um, and really the big difference was Mississippi went 11 to 18 on third down and Mississippi state went four or 14. That's really the difference. And then the Bulldogs missed a couple field goals. Um, they had a rash of drops in the second quarter. So they probably left 10 points on the field going into halftime and it was just kind of a game it i was selfishly hoping for more yeah well uh full disclosure i only watched the first half because after that i was in turkey coma and uh you know it just it wasn't important to me i would have rather passed out on the couch and you know just woke up and saw the final score which is exactly what yeah, happened i i fought through most of the third quarter you didn't miss much <laughs> yeah so uh, with that, I do want to move to, oh, man, this game, holy shnikes, what a game, the game, Timmy, Ohio State, Michigan. Now, we all thought, I thought Ohio State was the best team in the country, but I think collectively, we all thought that Ohio State had the best shot to beat Georgia, and then they go out in the game on the road to Michigan and just get taken to the damn woodshed, Harbaugh. Finally gets it done, gets off the schneid, and gets a win over his biggest rival in dominating fashion. I mean, what I know you watched every second of it. What was your take on Ohio State, Michigan? Yeah, first of all, big big ups to uh, Harbaugh over there, man. Uh, talked a lot of shit on you this year, but uh, I'm eating some crow right now. Um, did not see that coming. You know, I, I could have been talked into them winning the game, but just to, totally beat them down like that i did not see that coming but i still think that this was more of a game i mean not to take anything away from michigan because they played lights out but i also think ohio state well underachieved in this game their defense was terrible their offense actually statistically was still pretty good they just couldn't you know stop michigan's running attack and they just ate the clock and ran the ball down their throat so it was a combination of Michigan playing well and Ohio State underachieving, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, they definitely ran it right down their throat. Hassan Haskins, uh, 167 yards, five TDs. The guy was just unstoppable. And they dominated. 16, 16 first downs he ran for. Oh, God. That is absurd. Yeah. I mean, they could not stop him. And I, I mean, I look around and I'm going, was he that dominant all year long? Like, I, I seriously didn't know anything about him outside of just he's a he, decent, you know, running back. He's good. I mean, yeah, he's good. He was good all year long. I mean, but, but they also have they also have two other guys who have 
split some carries too. He hasn't been like the bell cow, but he's been good, but he's not, he shit. He hasn't been like that. Yeah. He was no, on I'm willing one. to bet that I'm willing to bet that Harbaugh probably spent the entire season game planning for this game because <laughs> he knew that no matter what he did the rest of the year, as long as he beat Ohio state, it would shut up the haters. He heard your preseason takes and was like, fuck that guy. He did. He was, he was taking notes. He was like, playoffs, beat Ohio state. Hold on. Let me write this shit down. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. this guy. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with both you guys. Like, I, I was, I, I don't like. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised because I don't really care for Ohio State as a team and a program, but I don't really like Harbaugh either. So it's like I wish both teams could lose, but I think it's good for college football when Michigan is good. Like, I, I think it's just you know they talk like the oh, big yeah. talk all the time is parody, but Michigan hadn't won a Big Ten title since 2004. And now at least they have a shot to do that. And I feel like it just makes it so much more interesting. It's good for the Big Ten that somebody besides Ohio State is going to get a shot at the Big Ten championship at the very least. And, you know, probably a playoff berth for Michigan if they get out of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us expect Iowa to beat them, do we? No, but I mean, shit happens. It does happen. <laughs> that that so, it does, especially when you're Jim Harbaugh. It does. And and that game is weird because, I mean, I'm looking at it right now and Michigan is favored by 10 and a half. But I look at that game and like try to envision it. And it, it just it kind of takes me back to an old saying I heard once. I think it's like attributed to Mark Twain or somebody. It was probably bullshit. It's probably some other person. But, <laughs> you know, the, the the essence of it is, you know, never argue with an idiot because they'll drag you down and to their level and beat you with experience. And I look at that game and that's kind of how I feel about Iowa. Like they, they force you to play their style of football. They, they drag you into their level. Yeah. They're going to make it ugly and, 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 and play a style of football that they are better at than you. I think 10 and a half is a lot because I don't know that either defense is going to give up enough points for someone to, to win. Yeah. This, by that. this game screams nine to seven. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if the total was 10 at the end of the game. <laughs> like, I feel like Michigan is just a better version of Iowa. Like they, right. they're the then same team, that, but Michigan has better players. Like that's what I feel. They're like. just a little, yeah. It's almost like a poor man's Michigan type of deal. Yeah. So um, I mean, I, I mean, the the total is forty three and a half. That seems high. Like I could be talked into anything up to like twenty one seventeen, and that's about it. Yeah, because I mean, Iowa has not. I mean, granted, they haven't really dominated anybody this year outside of Maryland. Like most of their games have been one score games, but it's like right, you said, and that wasn't they, offensive domination. Yeah, that was yeah. They bring they, six turnovers. Yeah, and they bring people down to their level, and they play ugly football. But man, I just I feel like Michigan's got some better players. But yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Iowa won the game because you rewind the clock. Like let's rewind the clock back like seven weeks. Iowa was number two in the country, and nobody gave two shits about Michigan. Yeah, but there was a smoke grenade going off back then, you know. Right. They weren't as they didn't they didn't beat the teams that we thought they beat at the beginning of the year sure. to get that number two ranking. But you know, they've played well. Um they're definitely not a pushover and you know, neutral site game in a dome, anything could happen. Going back to the Ohio State I forgot to mention it before, but going back to the Ohio State game, the one thing that stood out to me and I didn't realize it at any point this year somehow. I didn't it didn't dawn on me watching Ohio State play. They don't have 
the difference maker up front on defense like they normally do. They don't have a Bosa or a Chase Young. They've just got guys. Like they they don't have anyone on their on their front seven that terrifies you like normal. And I think that was the big thing because because Michigan had two of them. Um, and that, I think that was the big difference in the game because Michigan had eight tackles for loss and Ohio State had zero. Well, and that was my biggest question about them coming into the season was, you know, okay, is their quarterback going to be good? Well, he proved to be really good. I mean, I would argue. Very, yeah. Yeah, I would argue he's 1A, 1B between him and Bryce Young. And you could throw Matt Corral in there, too. If if Corral was playing for either one of these teams, he'd have stupid numbers. So outside of the quarterback questions, the only other I had was defense. Like last year, they got gashed by Alabama in the national championship. I mean, just got destroyed. And then they lost a lot of the guys they had, you know, their big difference makers, you know, as you want to call them. And I'm sitting here going, shit, are they going to be better this year? I don't think so. And then they got gashed by Oregon. And I was like, well, there you go. (laughs) And and Michigan appeared to borrow heavily from that game tape because they ran a lot of the same stuff and basically just went, hit the edges, went at the linebackers and got the same result. You know, Oregon ran for like 330 on them, if I remember right. And, you know, Michigan ran for, I think, 297 or 299. So, yeah. Well, and I think that's. fix it. I think it's pointing to what it's to your point. Like you said, they don't have the difference makers up front. And I think that's really what they ran into with Oregon and Ohio State or and Michigan. I'm sorry, is that, you know, Oregon, Cristobal and Harbaugh at Michigan, they both recruit big beasts across the offensive line. I mean, that's well known. And, you know, it's like finally Michigan got enough talent around those guys to make a difference. And so that's what we saw. But I think, uh, Ohio State's playoff hopes are now done for. Um, now that they, Finito. Yeah, I would say they're out, barring some kind of just fucking crazy miracle. I, I just don't see any way they can get in. So, all in all, relatively successful season for Ohio State. They've got a really fucking young team. I mean, CJ Stroud, isn't he a true freshman? Isn't that right? I believe he's a redshirt okay, freshman. Okay, redshirt fresh. So, but even then, I think he's he gets another because he gets that free year. But yeah, he, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So they've got him and Travion Henderson and their receiver core is just still loaded. I mean, they I don't feel like they're going to get any worse uh, next year. So yet to be yeah, seen. They got Marvin Harrison's kid and he doesn't even play. Right. Didn't even crack the fucking depth chart this year. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. And then. Uh, yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. But. I was not fine on Saturday uh, for about 58 minutes. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't about, know if about any, 59 and a half of game time. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly. Um, the Iron Bowl. I, I still don't know how the fuck Alabama won. I don't. I don't understand it. Like it. If you watch the first half of that game and even the whole third quarter, like I'm sitting here going, we're going to lose. There's no way Alabama's going to win this game. And when Auburn stopped him on fourth down with two minutes to go, I was like, that's it. I mean, I remember I put it in the group chat. You guys saw it. Like, we're done. We lost. Yep. Yep. And then I attribute this win to one thing. Tank Bigsby running out of bounds. Yeah. 100%. And, and saving Alabama 40 seconds. Because, you know, granted, the next play it was third and one. They could have got a first down and all of the above. Whatever. But they didn't. And Alabama got you know, more time on the clock and they drove 97 yards, tied the game and then won 
in the first overtime game in Iron Bowl history in four overtimes by two points. And, man, I don't think I've ever seen Nick Saban happier after a regular season win than I saw on Saturday. And it was a damn stressful game, man. I mean, I was just like, God, what is going to happen? So, I mean, Eric, I know you. Yeah, he normally doesn't. I know you. He normally it. doesn't look happy after most wins. Period. Right. Um. So, yeah. You, you want to know what my notes say about this game? Uh, first half set modern football back twenty five years. <laughs> um. I mean, God, the first half, twelve punts, one touchdown. That was <laughs> that was all thirteen possessions in the first half. Six three and outs. I mean, you know, Alabama ran for seventy one yards. Auburn ran for twenty two. A lot of penalties. Second half was a little bit better offensively for these teams, but um, yeah, I thought like like you, I I thought they were cooked when they when they down that punt at the three. I was like, huh. Well, I guess we'll find out. You know, potentially if uh, if Alabama becomes the first two loss team to make the playoff, because um, it really looked like they were heading for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty crazy. Like I say, I I think uh, Bryce Young probably sewed up the Heisman Trophy, especially if he goes and has a good game against Georgia, win or lose. He made some absolutely incredible throws on that drive. I mean, one on fourth down. I mean, it just it was an unbelievable drive and ending to the game. And you know, Alabama's still alive now. It's winning in. I I do feel like, and I don't know what your guys' take is. I feel like if they lose to Georgia, there's no way they get in. Am, am I crazy? Absolutely none. Yeah. No, I don't think so. They have I, zero I percent see. chance if they lose. Yeah, I, I think yeah. a one loss Notre Dame with their only loss being to Cincinnati probably gets the nod there over them. Yeah, even I mean even well, if a Big Twelve team like Oklahoma State were to lose to Baylor and they all have two losses, yeah. I, I think Notre Dame would get that nod. Yeah, I think that if they in order for them to make it while losing, they would need to lose like an overtime game. They would probably still need. They would need a lot of help. They would need Cincinnati to lose. They'd probably need yeah. Michigan and or Oklahoma State to lose. Yeah. And then you're talking. Then you're talking. Okay, is it them or Ohio State for the fourth seat? And you know, it's they're definitely winning in. But I think it's effectively a quarterfinal game for them. Yeah, er, er, everything you guys are saying there is correct, and I, I just don't see a scenario where they get in with two losses, but. That being said, you know, and we'll get into the preview a little later, I I do like their chances, but as much as I thought that day couldn't get any more stressful and exciting, right after that game, I flipped on the Bedlam game, and Eric, it was exactly that. It was fucking Bedlam. (laughs) It was a crazy game. I, I powered through the whole thing, and when I got done, I was like, holy shit, what a day, and the next morning, I felt hungover, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, it yeah, was I had to get nuts. up and drive to Savannah the next morning, and it was tough to peel myself out of bed. Um, it wasn't a particular, you know, I actually made a Facebook post, which I rarely do, and just all I said was, the Bedlam game continues to be the most appropriately named rivalry week game in the country, bar none. Like, th- this game was total madness. It um, was. And, I mean, I- I'm going to, like, go out on a limb here. But this game should not have been close. I mean, Oklahoma nope. State kept them in the game with special teams miscues. Now, Oklahoma yeah. did make some of their own, but I mean, they just handed them 14 points like with special teams yeah. mistakes. So yep. if they don't make those, I don't feel like it's much bedlam. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they turned the ball over inside the 10. Yeah. 
like going in. Um, yeah, it wasn't a particularly well played game. There were five turnovers. Um, that's just straight turnovers. That's not even the two turnover on downs. But there was there was three different ties in the first half. It was, it was fairly back and forth. Uh, those special teams mistakes that you talked about um, led to a nine point Oklahoma lead at the end of three. They were up thirty three twenty four. You know, the Oklahoma State defense, like they have all year, came through. They were actually through a shutout in the second half. Um, you know, Oklahoma's nine points came off of uh, a safety and a, a muffed punt return. But yeah, Oklahoma drives in the second half, five punts, a fumble, and two turnover on downs. So they they got a little over aggressive in the first half defensively, um, and they got beat on some long touchdown passes, running basically an all-out blitz, uh, got beat over the top. And then once they backed off that a little bit and realized that, hey, that we can get after these guys with just seven uh, or just, just the front four, um, much much better form. Um, well, yeah, that was, that was a hell of a game. Yeah. And you, like I say, I, you take away, like I thought Oklahoma state's defense played fantastic because if you take away the couple of miscues on special teams, you know, the turnover, the muff punt, that kind of stuff. Like if you take those away and then minus the one long run that Caleb Williams had for like 56 yards, you take away those three plays I mean, it's a dominant defensive performance by Oklahoma State. So I was actually really impressed with them. You know, full disclosure, it's like I said before the season, I said they sucked. I stand corrected. I think they're actually a really good team, and I think they match up well with several of the teams that are in the mix for the playoffs. I think they match up better than, you know, if George is playing Cincinnati, they've seen them before. They saw them a year ago. You know, they kind of know what they do. They know what they're getting. You have no idea what you're yep. getting with Gundy. Yeah, you have no idea. Ever. Yeah. yeah I mean, from one, one week to the next. Yeah, but he could run a flea flicker out of nowhere when you think they're going to run on first and 10. It's, it's, right. you just don't. From his own four. Yeah. Right. And nothing's off the table. Yes. And so that to me, they're, they're a really interesting team to me. So if, um, if Alabama were to lose, which most people think they will, I would love to see Oklahoma State get in and, you know, see what Gundy's got for a team like Georgia. Um, I think that would be a really interesting watch. But Oklahoma, as well, their playoff hopes are done, and now their head coach is gone. And uh, I would also like to point out that Eric's preseason Heisman winner, (laughs) Dr. Thunder, Spencer Radler, has entered the uh, transfer portal. I'm sure he's got a lot of interested parties after this season. (laughs) Well, North Dakota State, anyone? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll find a home somewhere. I'm sure he'll play somewhere. He's good enough to play somewhere, but just not at a prominent Power 5 program. Um, Yeah, yeah, wait for him to be wearing a fucking Trojans helmet. Not being Oklahoma good and not being good are are two different things. He he was an average quarterback. (laughs) It's funny that you bring that up about the Trojans helmet, Timmy. You realize now, like, with the transfer portal... Like Lincoln Riley could take Caleb Williams with him. You kidding me? Oh, absolutely. Like he could. could pull the old Tony D'Amato from any given Sunday. Like, yeah, I'm going to take over this expansion team out West. And by the way, I just signed Willie Beeman as my starting quarterback. <laughs> like, yeah, he, it just depends on how big of a dick he wants to right. be. Right. So, I mean, he could potentially take Williams with him or sign Spencer Rattler, whoever the fuck he wants. Like, it's really interesting now that the transfer portal is allowing these kinds of yeah. things. I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. It's bedlam. Yeah, is what it's it is. already happened. Yeah. So, so I, I, I want to say, I don't remember who, I, I want to say Western Kentucky, someone, some small, like a division two or FCS school pulled their, their OC, their quarterback and their three best receivers. <laughs> like they're playing now this year. Mm, just a 
farm league for the bigger teams. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a really interesting fault to follow there. Who he takes with him, assistants, players, that kind of stuff, recruits, especially. Um, really interesting. But uh, Oklahoma State, yeah, they're on their way to the Big Twelve title to face Baylor. Um, I don't know the line, but we'll get to that uh, in the previews on the other side of our break. But last but not least, I would like to bring everybody's attention to the Paul Bunyan game, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, and also the battle for Minnesota's overbet. Timmy, you took it on the cheek. You took it on the chin this week, man. Minnesota won eight games, so now you got to dress up like Harbaugh and put it out there on the interwebs, man. How are you feeling? If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. (laughs) Well, I would also like to point out to our listeners that he didn't have the sack to put a Baltimore Ravens jersey on as a Steelers fan. But, uh, you know, we'll... we'll, Ain't no fucking way in hell. (laughs) We'll we'll let him off the hook uh, on that. But, yeah, and it's like I said uh, in the group chat before, man, like Minnesota, hell, they should have already. They should have won 10 games this year. Bowling Green, Illinois, kidding me? You kidding me? I feel like eight games they underachieved, if I'm being honest. So, you know, worst case, I was betting on like nine and three. But feel good about uh, an over seven ticket there that I was holding. So uh, I'm a winner. I didn't win the picks, but I won the bet. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, And before we break, Eric, how did that damn guy do this week? Because he is a ghost. I ain't heard from him. How did he do? That, That damn guy went one and two. Uh, he had You're telling me we don't have any scalding emails in our inbox right now. No, he's a go. He's a ghost after he went one and two, man. He's a ghost. Funny, oh, weird. F- funny how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had. Uh, I can't remember now. I don't. I don't have my notes. Uh, he had UConn plus thirty two and a half. Yes, and that was the one he hit. Uh, he missed on East Carolina and Cincinnati. And I cannot for the life of me remember the third one. I want to say TCU. Yeah, TCU. Yeah, he had him at plus 14 and a half or something like that. And Iowa State yeah, just and, and crushed him. stroked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just, so, just absolutely obliterated him. Yeah, he uh, th- that damn guy got off to an 0-2 start. And uh, the Yukon Huskies of all teams saved his bacon. Because Ugh. if he'd have gone 0-3 after that mad shit that he talked, boy, I tell you what, we're at. 51 minutes right now that I would have spent all of it roasting him, but he pulled, pulled, pulled one out. So good job. <laughs> oh God. Well, yeah, he's a uh, welcome to the 500 club. That damn guy. Not as easy as yep. it looks. So you, yeah. Welcome to making your picks public on the internet. We've, yeah, we've been, we've been saving a seat for you, Dick. Yeah. You can suck it. So, uh, moving on, we're going to take a break and, uh, Coming up after the break, we're going to get into the conference championship previews, uh, all the Power 5 games, and we will be back with you in just a second. Okay, guys, I want to take a quick second and tell you about our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still get in on the action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. 
DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPM. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you can win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code TPPM this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, boys, we're going to get into our conference championship previews now. And I want to start with a game that really, well, in my opinion, it, it doesn't really matter uh, as far as, you know, the playoff race is concerned, but it does matter with New Year's Six Bowl games and those uh, things of that nature. Uh, Pittsburgh and Wake Forest in the ACC. Uh, Pittsburgh, I'm showing them at a three and a half point favorite. I. I got to be honest. I kind of like Wake Forest here. Am I crazy, Timmy? Over. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> over, over 72 and a half. I do agree that, with that. That's my, that's my only input on this game. Over. So you think I'm nuts no. for liking Wake Forest, Timmy? I, I think you're both nuts. The over is not going to hit here, man. Well, where where is this game at? It's in Charlotte. Yeah, they, yeah in the Panther Stadium. My take on this game is both teams have pretty high-powered offenses, but that's not the play here, man. Wake Forest is not going to be able to score a lot of points on Pitt's defense. Pitt's defense is actually pretty decent. Um, They're on the upper tiers of the ACC, and I see them holding Wake Forest up all game. Um, But I don't think it's going to be as high-scoring as you guys think. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it (laughs) – I would love to see Wake win it, especially after their, you know, their coach gets a decent contract extension there. <laughs> we'll see if he's worth it because that would be very on par for Wake Forest to give their coach a big extension and then him get his shit pushed in in the ACC title game. But, uh, you know, kudos to Pittsburgh and Wake, man, because, I mean, I don't think anybody called these two teams to be in the championship preseason. Am I crazy? No. Um not particularly, but the Coastal Division, you know, on Pitt's side has been a different winner every year for like the last seven years. So it's not a real surprise there, but definitely nobody saw anybody dethroning Clemson on the uh, the other side. So Okay, well, I did just get the confirmed report of uh, Brian Kelly is uh, the next coach at LSU. So that is breaking as of 12 minutes ago. Um, so, yeah. A lot of heavyweights in the in it, the SEC West, man. Bringing it to you live. Yeah, bringing it to you live, man. LSU hires Brian Kelly. So, a lot of heavyweights in that division, man. Kiffin, Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Leach, Brian Kelly now. Can, uh, can we take a pause and uh, get a, a phone interview with Hunter Ballou on the line here? Live reaction, anyone? He's Ron Burgundy in a phone booth right oh, now. He's glass case of emotions. Well, Hunter's not answering my text messages, so, you know, he must uh, either be celebrating or uh, either he's that or crying in the corner somewhere. I don't know. But if he calls me, if he uh, hits me back, we'll get him on live and uh, discuss it with him. But in the meantime, I want to kick it up north. We talked about it a little bit, Michigan and Iowa. So 
Let's see. Michigan is a 10 and a half point favorite. The total right now is at 43 and a half. I like Michigan, but not to cover 10 and a half. Timmy. Same. What do you got? Um, I'm I'm going to take Iowa in this one oh straight up. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I just see madness ensuing in the playoff picture, and this would be the right formula for that. Yeah, give me Iowa on this one straight up. Iowa straight up to beat Michigan. Whew. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I th- I think Michigan's a better team, but I do like Iowa to cover for the reasons we talked about earlier. I think they're going to just make it ugly and force Michigan to kind of grind it out. But I, I do think Michigan will grind it out, but I don't like 10 and a half. I think that's too much. Yeah. I mean, am I, would I be on, would I be crazy to say that uh, this is the best defense that Michigan has faced all year? <sighs> Wisconsin is, is probably pretty close um, outside of that. I don't think there's anyone else in the same vicinity as Iowa. They played Penn State this year, didn't they? They did, but I don't think Penn State's defense is nearly as good as Iowa or Wisconsin's. I, well, I think it's it's up there. Uh, I, I, I think they would be a distant third. Yeah, Penn State lost to Illinois. End of story. <laughs> I can't I can't go there with Penn State. I don't think their defense is on. Yeah, par. but they only gave up. But they only gave up twenty points in nine overtimes. Yeah. That's true. But it's Illinois. Well, again, Bielema, same thing. He, he's going to force you to play his game and drag you down to his level and beat you with experience. That's how you end up with a 2018-9 overtime game. That's peak Brett Bielema. Yeah, well, good for James Franklin that he can parlay a fucking 6-6 six and six record into $100 million. Figure that one out. I think we're all in the wrong job. But uh, Yeah, I tell you what, I've been fired from jobs and no one ever gave me money walking away. <laughs> Especially not a hundred million bucks after going six and six. I don't know that it's gotten out of control. It really has this. I mean, it's just, it's completely and utterly out of control, but I like Michigan there. Eric does too. Timmy's on Iowa. We'll see what happens there and then kick it back to the big 12 for a second. I'm in the same mindset as Timmy. I like Baylor here. I think Baylor ruins Oklahoma state season. I mean, am I wrong? Am I just dead wrong, Eric? I mean, I could see it happening, but I have, you know, I in this case, I disagree. I think Oklahoma State probably covers four and a half. I definitely think they win, but it would be far from the most surprising thing that has happened this year. I mean, Baylor's a really good team. Dave Aranda's a really good coach, and he's got them going. I just, I think, I may regret this, but I'm going to put a little faith in Gundy to to keep the ball rolling, and I think, uh, I think they go in there and get themselves in the conversation for the for the playoff. Well, yeah, I think Gundy's going to have a hangover after Bedlam. <laughs> this is prime upset yes, territory. Yes, that's what I'm talking Give me about. Baylor. I tell you what, if Gundy brings that hat, warm up the oh bus, Baylor, God. you're done. <laughs> <laughs> that total power move by Gundy wearing the cowboy hat to shake Riley's hand. Love that shit. He might be the only coach in America who get away with like really pull that look off. <laughs> Well, that's like his actual hat. Right. Yeah, no, like that's not some like prop. Apparently that's his his victory hat that he wears. I I don't know. It's a shtick. Figure that guy out, I guess. Hmm. I can't. Yeah, I don't know. That that the, I like Baylor in this game. I think uh Dave Aranda, the defense, I think they've sort of the same way as Iowa. I think they kind of figure out a way to make it an ugly game and get it done, but I could be wrong. Oklahoma State could drub them. Who knows? But uh 
and then I'm going to talk about this game before we uh, get to the big the big one. Um, Oregon and Utah. I, I feel like Utah is getting disrespected here. Am I crazy? Because they are <laughs> like they're sitting at minus two and a half right now. Uh, two weeks removed from absolutely dismantling Oregon. Did anybody see that game? You saw that game. Yeah. I mean, they're getting no respect. None. I, I was shocked when I saw that line. I was like, are you kidding me? That, uh, yeah, Utah. The next question. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not even a debate. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could go any other way after what just transpired. I mean, are they, are they missing a decimal place somewhere? I I mean, I, what the fuck is I, this? I don't know. It's like Superman. I don't know what's going on It's like there. Superman 3. Well, yeah. I mean, they're sitting at they're sitting at number nineteen. Oregon's still at eleven after just getting absolutely destroyed by them. And then you're only going to favor Utah by two and a half. I feel like that's just yeah. I don't know, Dude. man. I feel like your boy Whittingham's over there. Like, okay, you want to fucking disrespect us? We're about to run the score up on them. So what? What did they beat them by? Wasn't it thirty something? Oh, was they the end just, result? Just destroyed them. So yeah, yeah. Let me pull that up here. That final score of that game was. 38 to 7. I got nothing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can I can understand giving Oregon a little bit of credit for neutral field versus an away game, but I mean two and a half, come on. Well, what's you, funny you is that's almost like pretending that game didn't happen. I know. And what's funny about it, if I'm not mistaken, Utah was a bigger favorite than this at home like they were a three and a half point favorite at home. Now you're going to drop the line one point after they won by 31? I, I mean, in a yeah. neutral side, I, I don't know. I'd have been like, if you'd have said Utah minus nine and a half, I'd be like, okay, that's makes sense, I guess. Neutral side, whatever, but two and a half? Shit, give me Utah all day long. Yep. I don't think there's anything really else to talk about. Pac-12, they suck. We suck. So let's get to the big one here. Alabama and Georgia. Georgia currently... Oh, I thought you were going to say Houston and Cincy. Oh, well, Houston <laughs> Houston and Cincinnati. Come on, man. Well, I'll say this. Yeah, no. Uh, Houston, they're 11-1. Good for them. They've had a great year. I hope they lose. I hope Cincinnati wins and gets in and meets either Alabama or Georgia in the first round. I'd love to see that. But, you know, I think Cincinnati wins and probably covers 10.5, if I'm being honest. I just. Yeah, I would. I would tend to agree. Yeah. I mean, Timmy, do you have a take on that game? Do you think Houston has a chance to keep it close? I think they have a chance. Um, I do think Cincinnati probably wins the game, but you know, Utah's no or not Utah, but Houston's no no slouch. Um, they can certainly hang with Cincinnati, but I don't see it happening. Hmm. Well, yeah, we all. I, I don't think uh, there's any way that Cincinnati gets left out at this point. I'd be shocked. I mean, I would just be. I think the only situation where they potentially get left yeah. out would be like a 69 to nothing win by Oklahoma State and Bama nice. and Bama wins extremely convincingly and Michigan wins convincingly. Then I feel like an argument between Oklahoma State and Cincinnati, I give the nod to Oak, Oak State, man. I give the nod to the Pokes there if they win extremely convincingly cuz I do feel like they deserve to be in if they win. I think they probably get in if they, I think they probably bump Cincinnati, but we we can kind of go over that with the playoff picture stuff. Yeah. But let's talk about the SEC. Yeah. So let's get back to this game. Georgia currently is a, the line opened at seven. 
but Georgia is currently a six and a half point favorite. The total is 51. Eric, give it to me. Go ahead and pick Georgia. I know you're going to. I think they'll win. I don't, I thought I, I can't imagine laying six and a half against Alabama. Uh, that just, I think it's going to be closer than that. I do give a slight edge to Georgia, but this, this is the first time these two teams have played where there's more pressure on Alabama. You know, Georgia normally has that kind of that cloud hanging over them and got to get that monkey off their back. And, and for them, this game really doesn't matter. Like they're in period, regardless of what happens Saturday. Right. But this is a must win for Alabama. So I, I think there's maybe a little more pressure on Alabama in that respect. And really that's only the, the only difference aside from maybe a slight edge for Georgia up front, if you're kind of considering both sides of the ball. But I mean, these two teams, I will say this, these two teams are much, much closer than I thought three days ago. Timmy, you got a take on that? I'm taking Georgia uh, laying the points on this game. Um, oh, I don't man. think it's going to be a blowout, but I'd like them. I'd like them to cover six and a half. All right. So you like them to cover. Eric does not. I do not. So give me your reason. I think that, you know, I've just watched Alabama all year and they have a lot of flaws and I really haven't seen that with Georgia. I know your argument's going to be that, you know, Georgia hasn't really played anybody, but I don't think that matters. I think they've executed perfectly all year where Alabama's got some warts and I just think that Georgia is, is a better football team right now. It's possible. Now, it's just so hard for me to bet against Alabama. Now, as far as the total goes, statistically speaking, you would be crazy to bet against Alabama laying six and a half. You know, I, I don't I, I don't know. Like statistically, that's not a good bet. But where I see problems for Bama in this matchup is across the offensive line. Now, in the second half against Auburn, they benched their right tackle and replaced him. And the offensive line play was quite a bit better in the second half. I don't know if anybody else noticed that. But they've had problems across their offensive line all season. Like, it would not shock me to see Georgia sack them eight to ten times. So, if that happens, I really like Georgia's chances. But where I – where, like, I'm trying to, you know, not be a homer and, like, really look at this game objectively and take my Alabama glasses off and look at it and say, okay – Georgia's defense has been extremely dominant all year. Have they played anybody that's got as good an offense as Alabama? No. But on the flip side, has Alabama played anybody that's got even a remotely close defense to Georgia? No, not even close. So it really just amounts to, in my opinion, two things. Can Alabama protect Bryce Young? Because I don't think Alabama is going to be able to run the ball. I just don't. They don't have a running game really to talk much about. And on top of that, Brian Robinson has an injury now. So they're starting running back may not even play. So yeah, I don't know that either team's going to be able to run the ball very well. Right. And that's, that's kind of the point I was about to bring up was, you know, Bryce Young is going to have to carry the game on his shoulders, but I feel like he's been doing that for the most part. And on the flip side, you know, can Georgia run the ball? I don't think that, I mean, Alabama's defense played extremely well last week. They looked like one of the best defenses in the country against Auburn. Now, granted, that's Auburn. Auburn's offense is not good. So take that with a grain of salt. But, you know, if I'm looking at Georgia's team, I think Alabama stops the run. 
And I think they forced Stetson Bennett to throw the ball and beat him with his arm. And I'm, if I'm being honest, I don't think they can really do that all that well. I don't have much faith in Bennett to do that. I mean, we saw it last year. That's what they did to Georgia last year, and they destroyed him. You know, now granted, their offense was a lot better, but I don't know, man. I mean, am I crazy, Eric, to think that, you know, Alabama, if they can manage to protect Bryce Young, how, how good do we think Georgia's secondary really is? Because we know their front seven is full of superstars. We know that. It's NFL guys everywhere. But their secondary, in my opinion, has not been tested at all. Well, that's the problem is getting to the point where you can test them is the real challenge. And I'm not saying you can or can't beat them. I don't know because no one's really no one's really gotten that far. Um, even the good offenses they played like, uh, you know, like a Tennessee, you know, it's just pressure, 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 pressure. I, I think for Alabama to win, it's really not about protecting Bryce Young as much as it is getting the ball out of his hand. My guess is that they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands and into Jameson Williams hands, John Mechie's hands, uh, and really try to work quick routes over the middle, get him in space and make someone tackle them um, because those guys are fantastic after the catch. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of, you know, slow developing routes and seven step drops um, because you're not going to get anywhere with that against these guys. That's the one big difference. If you kind of look at the matchup um, between these two teams is Alabama's offensive line is, I think their big question mark. They're, they're a hundred and second in the country in tackles for loss allowed going against Georgia dicey um so i i don't think i think georgia is the more likely team to have some success running the ball but i don't think it's going to be all that great i think they're going to have to try to run it just enough to where they don't have to put it all on stetson bennett's shoulders even though i do think he is probably not getting as much credit as he deserves for how he's played this year i think there's a, a bit of a narrative out there that he's just sort of along for the ride and i don't know that that's really the case but yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to get the ball out of Bryce Young's hands and into their playmaker's hands as quick as they can, get those guys on the run in space, and, and hope that they can make some guys miss. I, I think that's their ticket. Well, and I'm not going to sit here and say they can't win with Stetson Bennett. Clearly, they've been winning. You know, I mean, that they're kind of in that, you know, old school Alabama mode. Elite defense, good running game, game manager at quarterback. I mean, Alabama won a ton of championships that way. So. To say that they can't win. Right. That way. And that's what kind of what that's kind of what I'm getting at, though, is I think that's the kind of the narrative is that they're they're winning despite him, not with him. I mean, he, he's second in the country in yards per attempt and second in passer rating, not like in the conference but in FBS football right out of 130 teams. I mean, he just doesn't have the volume because they don't they don't throw as much when he's been asked to pass. You know, he he's done well. So you think it's more of just a game planning game, like their scheme just doesn't really make him do a lot. I don't think they ask a lot of him because they ordinarily run the ball so well. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. If Alabama manages to shut down their run game and they have to ask a lot of him, can he beat Alabama through the air? That's my question. Well, it depends. Do you think Alabama has anyone who can cover Brock Bowers? God, what about that guy, man? I saw some shit that he was doing. That true freshman, that guy is an animal. I don't know that they do. I don't know that anyone does, but I don't know that. Uh, do you think they do? You would know more than I would. Well, I mean, if I, w- I would think that scheme-wise, if anybody can devise a plan to take people out of the game and make them, you know, not a factor, I think 
you kind of saw it last year in the Florida game with Kyle Pitts. I mean, they did as much as they could to take him out of the game, and I don't think that this guy's anywhere near in the same league as Kyle Pitts was. So I think they'll kind of look at it from that perspective, like they've got to get the right matchups out there on this kid and make sure that he doesn't get lost somewhere and get wide open. But just yeah, from cause, his, cause he's a problem. Yeah, he is. He's a major problem. And I didn't know shit about him until this week. And then I started really looking at him and I was like, damn, this guy's a freaking animal. So, mm-hmm. you know, scheme wise, I think Saban, you know, being the, 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 just the goat can probably devise a game plan to stop them. I think it just amounts to, can they protect Bryce Young and can they move the ball against Georgia? I think that's the big question. I don't know that they can. Like, I like Alabama just statistically speaking, neutral site games, championship games, former assistants, Saban has a great record. So it's hard for me to bet against Alabama in that aspect. But I've been saying it all year, I think Georgia's better. (laughs) So wouldn't shock me if Georgia won. Even convincingly. I mean, their defense is just, it's incredible. So it's its the stuff of nightmares. Oh, I'm certainly interested to find out. I do think Alabama keeps it closer than six and a half or seven or whatever it is. I, I think it should be a really, really good game. Yeah. And then the last question I want to ask about it, um, and Timmy, I want your take on this too. Who is best equipped to beat Georgia now that Ohio State is out of the picture? Is it Alabama? Is it Michigan? Is it Oklahoma State? Is it Cincinnati? I mean, who do we think is best equipped to take on Georgia? Or if they beat Alabama, do we just crown them fucking champs now? I mean, anything's possible on the field, but if you're talking the best chances to beat them, Alabama certainly has that title right now. Um, I don't know that any of the other teams that are in the playoff mix have a better chance than Alabama does. Do you agree, Eric? I do. I think... I think if Georgia wins this Saturday, then Alabama is knocked out. And it's going to, I think it's going to really start to feel like kind of a formality. I mean, you still got to play the game, but I don't think there's anyone left past that that really makes you, you know, I, no one else is going to be closer than six and a half points like Alabama is. I can promise you that. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, especially not a, you know, Cincinnati or a, or a Michigan or an Oklahoma State. I mean, I, I think we're talking double digits for just about anybody else. Yeah, probably. I think the next closest would probably be Michigan just because of their defense and their run game. But no. Yeah. I I think it's still probably 10 or better. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. I think this is it. I think if Georgia wins this game, that's it, man. I think they finish it off and go undefeated. But I think if they lose, that's going to really make it interesting because they're still going to be in. So they've still got a great chance to get back. I hope that they don't drop them all the way to four because I wouldn't want to see, like you said a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't want to see them play twice in a row. I don't think anybody wants to see that. So, you know, if Georgia were to lose and they get back to the championship game, great. You know, maybe they face Alabama, maybe it's Cincy, whoever. But I think they drop them probably to three, but we'll see what happens. And that does bring us to the playoff discussion. Uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. This, we're recording this Monday night as per the usual. Who do we think is going to be in? I'm, I'll give you guys my top four, and then you guys can roast me or tell me why I'm wrong. I would have Georgia one, and as hard as it is for me to say, I would have Michigan number two. I would have Alabama three, and I would personally have Oklahoma State four. Now, I know that's not going to happen, so if I... Th- 
telling you what I think is going to happen. I think Cincy will still be in, and it'll be Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Georgia. So, Eric, give me your top four and who should be in and who should not. My top four, uh, Georgia one, obviously, just like anyone else. Um, I would keep, uh, I kind of flip-flopped, and in the end, two and three, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to have them in some order, but I personally, I would have Alabama at two, Michigan at three. I would put Cincinnati at four just because I, they're there. I guess you can't, I can't drop them, I guess, even though Oklahoma State won, right? The caveat to that is if they beat Baylor, I, I think they have to jump Cincinnati. Right. I mean, I, outside of Notre Dame, who is Cincinnati beat that's as good as Oklahoma? Right. Or Baylor. Or, or K-State. Baylor in case they win. Yeah. I mean, they don't have a win that's as good as either one of those two wins. Outside right. of well, Notre I mean, Dame. They've already, that's what I'm saying. They've already beat Baylor. I yeah. Mean, if, they, if they go in there with two, two wins over Baylor and a win over Oklahoma, a win at Boise, a win, and you know, Boise's not a great team, but that's a tough place to play. Um, a win against K-State. Those are all better than any of Cincinnati's non-Notre Dame wins. Agree. Uh, you know, and even their loss, you know, three points to Iowa State on the road isn't terrible, right? It's not like, you know, it's not, not like Stanford. Um, so I think Oklahoma State, even though I, I write as of the second would have them at five, it, to me, they are, they are win and in. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think so. I just don't see a scenario how you can put Cincinnati over them. I just don't. I know they're there now, but if Oklahoma State wins the Big 12, I just, I don't see it. I don't know how you could do that. Like that is, like if I was Oklahoma State, I would be pissed about that. I'd be like, what the hell else do you want me to do? I mean, what, we didn't beat East Carolina good enough? We didn't, you know, I mean, right. what are we talking about? So, Timmy, where are you at with this? Um, I mean, my prediction for how they're going to be ranked tomorrow you know, Georgia's obviously still at one. I, I don't think Michigan slides all the way up to two. I think Alabama probably slides back up to two. And then you slide Michigan in at three and Cincy at four. Cincinnati didn't do anything to warrant dropping them out of the top four now that you put them in there. You know, Alabama, you know, I, I think they're going to get the love at two. Um, but I could see Michigan jumping in there. But I think those are the four coming out of there tomorrow with Oklahoma State sitting there at five waiting to see what happens. Yeah. So they're part of the maybe we need a little help or, but teams that do need help, uh, I would put Notre Dame in that category. I think they would need Alabama and Oklahoma State to lose and, or Cincinnati. Yeah. Or, and Cincinnati. Yeah. Or Cincinnati. If two of those three lose, I feel like Notre Dame's got a chance. So, well, I, I don't think it, I don't think the Alabama game matters for them at all because they're still behind Oklahoma State and Cincinnati if both those teams win. Notre Dame is right there. They're lurking, but they need help. They need Cincinnati and Oklahoma State to lose. I guess out of two through five, uh, I guess the short version is they need two of those teams to lose. Right. And then, you, I mean, if we're looking at it like through Timmy's eyes here, he likes Iowa to win, so Michigan's out. He likes Georgia to win, so Alabama's out. <laughs> like, I mean, what? So at that point, then you're looking at Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, maybe Georgia and Notre Dame. Yeah, that's just Timmy playing 4D chess, so he gets 
another chance to bet against Notre Dame in the picks. That's right. That's true. <laughs> I didn't think about it. The big question of the hour is, is if Notre Dame gets into the playoffs, is Brian Kelly still hanging around to coach? I wouldn't think so. Or is he excused himself? I would think he's excused himself because based on what I'm seeing here in these reports is that... Yeah, based on that based on that tweet you just put in the group chat a little bit ago, yeah. he, he's, he's done with them. Yeah. Well, how big of a fucking steamer would it be to have Notre Dame get in the playoffs and fucking go on a run and win a natty after he bailed on him. <laughs> that would be, I don't that think there's any funny. fucking chance that happens. That would be epic, and I am rooting for that. <laughs> I, would, I would put the chances of a coachless Notre Dame team win over Georgia in the what would probably be, I guess, the Cotton Bowl uh, at like 2%. Yeah. That's the that's the as Eric likes know, to say man. the, the Lloyd Christmas. So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah, I they mean, got your boy Marcus Freeman over there, who's supposed to be one of the hot you know coordinators for hire that could get tapped to be the interim coach. Who knows? I'm sorry, I just fell asleep during that take. Sorry, I needed to wake. Yeah. I need to wake up. Um, he, he is. He's he's a really good defensive coach. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Georgia. Uh, there's the rebuttal to that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, no, just no. Just stop it. Hey, you ain't ever seen that movie, Angels in the Outfield, man. Just fucking flap your wings, man. It's going to happen. Stop. Make it stop. Make the bad man stop. Uh, we're losing listeners as those seconds tick off. Oh, God. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying I'm rooting for it to happen. Uh, so I that you can chaos. pick against them. Yes. Yes. Just so you could. Be- no, I would be rooting for them in this instance. Oh, my God. Until the until the last week. And then you'd be going, they're going to get steamrolled. Yeah. You must think I'm dumb. I've been telling you all year there are smoke screens. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it would go. You ain't fooling a fucking soul over there. Don't even try. So. All right. Well. I think that's pretty much it as far as playoff discussion goes. But uh, either one of you, uh, either one of you guys, got anything to add before we shut her down for the for the week? Uh, no, I'm I'm just looking to forward to see if we get any picks from that damn guy for yeah. If we do happen week. to get those, I will put them on our Twitter, which uh, you can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. We are available on all podcast platforms as part of, or all major platforms as part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, DraftKings, and we will be back with you next week. Uh, Boys, I think we're going to do a Tuesday night episode next week uh, after the final playoff rankings come out. So we will be back with you next week. See you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day.